you are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. It's hump day. That feels weird. It, It doesn't feel like Wednesday, but it is. It's hump day. You're on on the line. We are soaring through another week on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you ever miss a show, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and beyond. We're there. You can find us. If you want to join in the show today, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Levi Tracy Rocker reports all over the place. He's back as Auburn's defensive line coach. What do you think of this hire as Tracy Rocker returns to the Plains for a second stint with Auburn? Last time he was with Auburn for a certain crystal ball. It's a it's a good hire from at least a fan perspective. You love bringing back some old faces. They love hearing it. I think one of my favorite things about it, you know, just from a non-football perspective, I've loved the memes that have come out off of the South Carolina beat Auburn, and then it seems like they just went and started taking everything from them. Mike Bobo, Tracy Rocker, uh, the reports of Gunnar Stockton that we talked about yesterday. Again, it's always good to bring in a former player, former coach, someone who's familiar with the program. Fans love it. So should be a pretty good hire, at least in my opinion. Well, you mentioned South Carolina, and that's the funny thing. That was the domino that fell. I wondered about this, and I, and I pondered this last night when I began to see the, those memes trickle into Twitter. Would Auburn have fired Gus Malzahn if he hadn't lost to South Carolina? Probably not. I think that was the one that really, like, that was the loss. That was the, that was the loss this year that really just, it was inexcusable. You know, Georgia, Alabama, those are better teams than Auburn. A&M, better teams than Auburn. This was the one. The South Carolina one was just, they didn't play well. They came out lethargic a lot like we talked about in the Northwestern game. Just lethargic, apathy, just not a good performance, not a good showing. And it was just really inexcusable. So it's funny that that loss might have given Auburn so much ammo with guys like Bobo, Rocker, potentially Gunnar Stockton, people like that. You know, just a lot of different things that Auburn might have gained from that. The Georgia game felt like that was the game that soured the season for me. Once Auburn lost to Georgia 27-6 to and then followed it up with subpar performances after that, I was like, yeah, th- this is not going to be a good year. And, and, and really that thought process began in the Georgia game when it was 27-6. to I'm thinking, well, at least there's only – Six or seven more games of this after this, right? They're, they're <laughs> like uh, at least it's not as as long of a season of of, of what's going to be a, a bad year for Auburn. And Auburn found a way to salvage it after the South Carolina game. Of course, I went on the record back then on the radio and on some of my shows that I was doing at the time, saying that Gus Malzahn's got nine lives 
is this cat going to land on its feet again? And I felt like it did midway through the year. Of course, Auburn rattled off some more victories. The loss to Alabama, once again, that's another one that was that kind of felt like a, a, a punch to the gut for Auburn. And then they didn't bounce back against Texas A&M. The same thing I think could be said about the Georgia game. The blowout there soured Auburn early. You lose to South Carolina because you're still in your your fills. You're still allowing a previous loss to beat you. Uh, and you haven't really – it never felt like Auburn really got off the starting line this past year. And so I think it was more so the Georgia game that soured the year. But the South Carolina game felt like that was the nail – that kind of made this season, maybe for the players or, or, or anybody involved in the program, that's the one where apathy set in, where you're just like, as a defense mechanism, you're thinking, I just don't care anymore. And I think maybe the players were in a, were in a similar boat, maybe not with apathy. I think they still went out there and, and tried to play hard. I don't know if we saw them give up on the year per se. I, I don't think that they played 60 minutes in their losses. I feel like by the time the fourth quarter hit, I think you may have seen an Auburn team that maybe didn't lay down but wasn't playing 100% in some of those losses, especially the A&M and Alabama games and then the Georgia game as well because some of those were just too far gone. But I think it was the South Carolina game where Auburn player was like, well, what are we playing for anymore, right? Of course, the Georgia game was was the original kick kick to the stomach, though, because that's the game where I feel like Auburn was like, yeah, we're not going to the playoff this year. The issue with that Georgia game, and I agree with you, that was the moment that really soured the season for me personally, and I think you and you as well. It was just a combination of Georgia had been handling Auburn so well the past few seasons, it feels like. It feels like Georgia, it felt like Georgia and Auburn never had a chance against Georgia the past however many years. And it just seemed like this is the year. This is the this is the talented Auburn team that's gonna go in between the hedges. Not a lot of fans, so we were supposed to, so was supposed to be. Not Georgia a lot of, didn't look great out of the gates against yeah. Arkansas. There was optimism and expectations heaped on this year's Deep South's oldest rivalry. Yeah, just they they couldn't they didn't have a quarterback quite yet. I mean, they struggled with Juan Mathis at the beginning of that Arkansas game. Arkansas really handled them for the first half, and then it was on. It was a six o'clock, seven o'clock national TV. It was game, prime time. Prime time game on ESPN. Everybody in the country saw Auburn go out there and get embarrassed. And as an Auburn fan, you get embarrassed almost every year when your biggest rival goes and wins a national championship most of the time. Oh, when I saw Bo Nix scrambling, I was like, hello, darkness, my old friend. You know, I I was very much thinking, (laughs) here we go again. When I saw Bo Nix having to scramble for his life in that ball game and the offense being as lethargic. And really, I think the the conversation at that time for that Georgia game, and, and we'll need to get away from this because we don't want people turning the dial on the fact that we're reliving bad memories but it, it, it is definitely a situation where I'm thinking to myself man like why why can Auburn not game plan for Georgia of course Auburn's been able to game plan I feel like pretty well for Alabama to be able to steal three wins against Nick Saban during the Gus Malzahn tenure but what is it about Georgia that Auburn just cannot game plan for this team that it, that it feels like they've lost it before they've begun but let's go back to where this originally began. <laughs> Auburn loses to South Carolina, and that might have been the real nail that got Malzahn fired this past year with that unforeseen loss and also possibly what maybe took Auburn out of development later on in the year to maybe beat an A&M, where I feel like Auburn was every bit as talented as A&M, and anybody that watched that game could tell that because it was close going into the fourth quarter. And now Auburn's got all of their coaches, or not all of them, but some of their coaches, Mike Bobo, 
and now Will Friend, and then Tracy Rocker, and now they're trying to go and take their quarterback. The best things that South Carolina had to offer, Auburn's trying to go in there and also go and get five-star recruit Gunnar Stockton, and I think the trail is pretty hot for the five-star number one overall dual-threat quarterback to come to the Plains, which is which is a big deal for this Auburn team, and that would be the first major recruit for Brian Harson. And I, I, I've seen just so much on social media about him coming to the Plains to have that guy come here. That's a hallmark recruit that could also bring other guys here that could launch a major recruiting search for Auburn. We see that all the time. Recruits recruit other recruits. Exactly. I mean, it'd be huge to get a guy with that talent. I mean, imagine if you're a receiver in the same class or even the class below that. You see a five-star guy, 98 percentage, you know, 98 ranking you want to you want to go play for a guy like that. He's drawing comparisons to Sam Howell, who's the projected number one pick in the draft, not this upcoming season, but the next season. You want to go play for a guy like that. You want, or you're going to get better if you are a lineman. I mean, you you got a good protection. Running back's going to get a lot of help too. So, pretty good. We'll go back to where we started this conversation. Tracy Rocker back as Auburn's defensive line coach, and what do we think of this hire, Tracy Rocker? Already had a previous stint at Auburn, and the big thing about Rocker is he's got a lot of Southeastern experience. I, over the last couple of days, have talked about the fact that Auburn, over these last four hires, over these last four hires at the position groups, Auburn hasn't hired a whole lot of coaches with Southeastern Conference experience. Carnell Williams is the most experienced coach in the Southeastern Conference among this, these four group of coaches, Bedell, Schmetting, Zach Etheridge, and Carnell Williams, he's got the most experience coaching in the Southeast with Southeastern Conference-like activities, meaning developing players to a high level to be able to perform in the Southeast and then also being able to recruit the Southeast. And Carnell Williams had the most experience among those group of coaches, the most recent surge of hires that we saw. And he's only got two years on the planes. He's only got two years in the league. Of course, Bobo and Derek Mason have immensely more experience than those guys but this is a big one from an experience standpoint on this staff um and I and I think that's a big deal but I know some people aren't super excited about this they question his recruiting ability he's developed some guys over his time obviously Nick Fairley's the big name on his track record from being here at Auburn in 09 to 10 I think Rocker's somebody in a second stint here after he left Auburn he went to the Tennessee Titans he's been at Georgia over the Georgia and Tennessee Titans were probably the peak time during his coaching career but now I think we've seen a regression maybe at some of his stops things didn't overly work out at Tennessee South Carolina he's only there for one year I'm not faulting anybody for what happened at South Carolina on that staff because I think that that ship was sinking or sunk already by the time the year had already began so this thing with with Tracy Rocker I think is a little bit more of a mixed bag I understand people's I understand people are cautious on this one I, I really do but now we've got somebody on the line with us it's Shane joining us Shane how you doing today hey guys how are y'all doing we're doing great Shane what's on your mind hey I had, I had like a like two questions for you um one we were talking about Bo Nick scrambling and you know I, I looking back at his, his film from his high school he did a lot of scrambling but but it wasn't like an every play thing. And I know that the offensive line is a big part of that. If, if you if you have guys that are running at you, you know, straight, full force every down, you're, you're going to get nervous and run, even, when, even on the downs that they're not. You know that three out of the four, 
there, no one's blocking for you. So, so is is that? Do you think that this is something that can be fixed here at Auburn, or, or, or with the guys that we have, or or bringing in new guys? Um, and then my second question is: is the the, the coaching staff that's being put together on a fan base level? How how long do you think fans will give this new you know coaching staff? Um, to, to make things happen. And I'll just hang up and listen. I'll, I'm glad you guys are on the air. Appreciate War it, Eagle. Shane. Thank you, War Eagle. And thanks for calling in. The number to join the show, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Once again, thank you to Shane for joining us on the line. I'm going to address the, the coaching staff question first, and then I'll get to Bo Nix's scrambling. The coaching staff, how long? the fans will give him is a completely different situation than how long the fans should give that, him. That's funny you say that because that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. I think people are impatient right now, that, that, and that's because maybe Gus Malzahn overstayed his welcome. I, amongst the fans, at least he did. I know, I know a lot of folks wanted to see him go, and apathy really set in. Now there's no longer apathy. Now, now there's a lot of optimism and excitement, and people want to see like immediate change because they've been wanting it for so long. So how long people really will give this coaching staff? I think they give them two years, and at the end of year two, if things really haven't, if you haven't really seen substantial improvement, I, I, I think Harson's on the hot seat going into year three, at least from a fan perspective. Now, how long I think that fans should give Harson? I think you should give him a full three years, and at the end of year three, then I think you should begin to make your judgments on him because Auburn's about to go through a major scheme shift on both sides of the ball and especially really more so on the defensive side when you're talking about having the right personnel to do these things because things are changing dramatically on defense in terms of what defensive linemen are going to be asked to do especially if Auburn does get into the 3-4 because if Auburn gets into the 3-4 defensive linemen are asked to do different things now they're responsible for multiple gaps on the offensive line it's a lot more pressure on those three defensive linemen to be able to fill gaps and stop in the run that that's what those guys will be asked to do and we all know that Auburn's run stopping and filling gaps this year was a struggle also now you're adding a fourth linebacker onto the field Auburn really hasn't used a whole lot of linebackers out there it's really only been Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain this past year and now now you see reports of TD Moultrie coming back we'll talk about that later on in the show he could be moving to a linebacker spot that's what it looks like and then Chandler Wooten's back so so there's more linebackers now than you had going into this a couple of days ago or even when we were talking about this yesterday but still to get the right personnel for Derek Mason to be successful on the defensive side of the ball and then also for what Mike Bobo and Brian Harson are going to want to implement on offense I think you need to give Auburn and most people need to give Auburn a three-year window here and if things haven't really shown a lot of promise after year three then yes maybe year four is the hot seat year but Auburn should at least give Brian Harson four years because Auburn can't keep going through through turnover like this and and fans don't want to hear patience but I, I, that's the message that I want to echo for folks because patience is key here and, and people are just going to have to check expectations at the moment. That's I mean that's what you have to do with any coaching change in general. You have to give them patience to get in. It's going to take a while. If if you're a big college football fan, you remember. When Michigan, when Lloyd Carr stepped down and you had Rich Rod come in, completely sh- just a complete scheme overhaul on the offensive side. And then when they fired him, they went back to what Lloyd Carr was doing, and that set the and they program. They still haven't recovered. Yeah, it set the program back for a, over a decade almost at this point, or well over a decade. So the more patience a fan can have, the better. Now, again, at the end of year three, if it's not looking like it's coming up, 
that's when you should really temper your expectations and start to worry a little bit as a fan. And then for the question about Bo Nix scrambling and is that fixable, I don't know. I'm going to err on the side of saying no, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. I I, I think there's some things that Bo Nix does that isn't going to be fixable, but it's not a bad thing. I'm okay with his willingness to run, with his willingness to leave the pocket, as long as he fix, as long as some of the mechanics issues with his passing is fixed. I think it's a great trade-off if Bo Nix is still someone who's extremely mobile, maybe still has a tendency to run, because that that will work in college. I'm not worried about what he translates to in the NFL. I'm worried about what he is right now at Auburn. And running the ball, especially with his athleticism, which I think is, is slightly in a tier lower than what Johnny Manziel did in college running the ball. I think Manziel was a little bit more electric, but obviously the Bo Nix, Texas A&M touchdown comes to mind, and this guy's got Houdini-like rushing ability as a quarterback and if Auburn could tap into that I don't think that's something that you want to mess with I think it's a good trade-off to maybe him still be be willing to leave the pocket and maybe still have reckless tendencies as long as they get rid of and this is the most important thing I think that they can get rid of in his mechanics right now he's throwing off his back foot without even being pressured without any necessity it's like in basketball seeing guys take fadeaway shots for no reason it's it's annoying and it doesn't need to happen and I think they will be able to work that out of his game because Bobo I'm not going to go as far as saying quarterback whisperer but he's got a good track record developing quarterbacks especially in this league and in his system he did he did a great job of that at Georgia there's a big reason why Gunnar Stockton wanted to go play for him because he knows quarterbacks and he knows how to get the most out of them and Brian Harson's got a really good track record with quarterbacks as well so I think with Knicks the scrambling's not as much what I'm worrying about. Some of his passing mechanics is a problem. And then I'm okay with him with him being reckless. The guy really doesn't throw that many interceptions compared to what Sam Darnold was doing in college. Like I'm sure everybody remembers Sam Darnold's last year at USC, and he's still a top three pick, a top five pick in the NFL draft despite being trigger happy and throwing a handful of interceptions. We've seen many. Sam Ellinger's another guy. Sam Ellinger's interception happy, trigger happy. And he's still a, a good, borderline, great college quarterback. Of course, that can get you in a bind in some games, but Bo Nix isn't a interception machine. He's reckless at times, but I'm okay with him being reckless in the collegiate game. The NFL game, that gets you hurt. That, that loses you more football games than it does in college because defenses are better and, and, and defenders take advantage of mistakes more so than college defenders do. So okay with some of the recklessness and the scrambling, Passing mechanics need to get ironed out a little bit, and maybe just generally being able to read a defense as well. Recklessness loses you a job at the next level, too. Ask Jameis Winston, who went from (laughs) starting quarterback, first-round pick, to third-string quarterback on the Saints roster. He had 5,000 passing yards and 30 touchdowns, but he had 30 30, interceptions. Exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how they develop. I think the scrambling ability, you want to see it tempered down to where it's only used when needed and not an immediate and again I think that comes from what Shane said about the line the line play was bad last year that steps up that'll you know that will limit the amount of times he has to do that and I would honestly be interested to see if Brian Harson does a lot like what the Dolphins did with Tua this year and have him a moving pocket have a pocket that moves him out use that scrambling ability and that mobility in general to your benefit have a nice boot out. Have a moving Bootlegs. pocket. Have a lot of that that we never really saw with the Gus Malzahn regime. One, you're never really under center, and you're not going to be running stuff like that. And even out of the shotgun, we never used a moving pocket 
that much or effectively at that. So I think that will be one thing that can really not fix the line, but it can hide. It might can hide the the line issues we've had if you have a moving pocket with Bo Nix. Cleveland Browns used bootlegs to improve Baker Mayfield this year with Kevin Stefanski inserting a new offense and it worked out magnificent Baker Mayfield's mobile can throw on the run he's not you know super fast and he's not a super great runner considering his size now that's hampering him in the league but in college he was able to move around and was able to extend plays with his legs Bo Nix is, is an even better runner than Mayfield and I think getting him out in some space and, and getting some flood concepts out there for receivers that's going to open some things up because DBs are going to are going to be put in a high low situation they're going to have to figure out do I do I want Nix or do I or do I want receivers so we've got more of on the line coming up on the other side of this break right here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater that's at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater on Twitter to you. If you want to join in the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We had Shane on the line in our last segment. He started a good discussion there about Bo Nix and some things in his game that need to be improved and then also talking about this coaching staff, how long are Auburn fans going to give him? And I think that question vastly different than how long Auburn fans should give him but you know unfortunately that is that is the issue that Auburn fans have well they should give him two years or they should give him three years they'll probably give him two years this staff will learn <laughs> well of course there are two guys already on the staff three really probably because Zach Etheridge was around but I think the fan base has really evolved and that would be an interesting conversation for another day but I think this fan base has really changed a lot since the beginning of the Malzahn tenure maybe even before that, since the national championship in 2010 at least. But three guys on this staff familiar with Auburn, or at least very familiar with Auburn, Cadillac Williams, Zach Etheridge, and then uh, most recently now Tracy Rocker, named as Auburn's defensive line coach. And, and we really didn't get into this that much in the previous segment. I was talking about what, what some people's concerns were before we led into Shane's call. It seems like the general just pulse out there is that folks are a little worried about his recruiting prowess. I'm not as concerned about it as most people are, mainly because I know he's got the connections in the Southeast. But what does that matter if he's not able to bring the guys in? That's the other side of it. This staff, it's a good thing that this is offsetting some of the recent hires that don't have any experience in the Southeast. And maybe I'm putting too much of an emphasis on that. Maybe maybe people disagree with me, and I, and I think that that's too important. But with a head coach coming from the outside – I think it's important to at least balance that out with some guys on your staff that have experience in this area. And I think he's done a good job with that. Bobo, Mason, Cadillac Williams, and then Tracy Rocker. Zach Etheridge may not, but he'll, he'll, he'll get it over time. And it seems like he's a hot name out there on the coaching trail. And that's a big part why he's, why he's ascended so fast at such a young age. So maybe that there are some current concerns with rocker of course he's bounced around from location to location but he's he's stayed longer at some stops than most position group coaches do and he's back on the planes and he's beloved another question is can he develop the defensive line he's got nick fairly uh, on his track records that's good but that was a one-year thing and so there 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 is definitely a question mark there with rocker but you understand the move if you're Brian Harson, we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 coming up in a few minutes we'll have Zach Blackerby 
of Locked On Auburn in our next segment, joining us to talk about some of the recent hires and then Auburn basketball later on taking on Georgia as well tonight. We got a lot going on on today's show. We're a little bit behind. Haven't talked to you yet about TD Moultrie returning to Auburn, and, and he's going to come back as a linebacker. That's what reports have him and why he's decided to come back this is a guy that I think has been off the radar for a lot of people because everybody's wondering about Sherwood at the moment everybody forgot about Moultrie because he's largely been an afterthought since Big Cat Bryant really nailed down the starting buck position and we haven't seen Moultrie that much of course he's been the butt of jokes when it comes to offsides on this defense because it seems like T.D. Moultrie's the guy who jumps off sides for Auburn a lot of a lot of times when you see the laundry out of the field but T.D. Moultrie's coming back as a linebacker and I love everything about this. I love it. It's a, it's a good transition. And I love it. I think it's a phenomenal fit. Do me one favor real quick for some of our fans. I I know a lot of people don't understand what you mean by a buck position. Can you, I know you can go into detail a little bit more than that. A lot, of, a lot of people just know linebackers. They know defensive ends. Go into the details of what T.D. Moultrie has been doing and what he's about to start doing. T.D. Moultrie hasn't been doing a whole lot. Let's just be honest. Well, what Big was Cat Bryant of, well, hasn't either in production terms. But What was asked of that position? Well, that, that position is just a pass rusher. You'll stand up on the defensive line. Not often do you see them down in the three-point stance or anything like that, but you'll see them, you'll see them sometimes with their hand in the ground. But for the most, for the most part, Auburn, Auburn has used that person as a stand-up pass rusher, and their only job is to get to the football. Their only job is, is to get to the football, and that is um, – that is something that I think Auburn has done a poor job of the last that just this last year mainly I wasn't in love with Auburn's sack production even with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson were on the team I think Auburn put a lot of pressure on him but I don't think it always translated into sacks you can just go and look at the numbers it didn't necessarily justify the fact that you had monsters like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson on the team when you look at the sack numbers you may not have known that there were two absolute beasts on the D-line but hurries don't always show up effectively in the stat sheet so that that I wouldn't read in too much too from last year but this year I would there was clearly a a pass rush issue at Auburn and it was leaving DBs in coverage too long and I think that squarely falls falls on the shoulders of Big Cat Bryant which is a big reason why I'm not too worried about his transition out of the program because I don't think that that position's really going to exist in the same way Auburn's been using it. T.D. Moultrie moving inside linebacker. We'll tell you why we love that. Coming up in a few segments, we'll continue that discussion. Zach Blackaby of Locked On Auburn will join us on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. on on the line Noah Gardner here with you find me on Twitter at point Gardner find the podcast wherever you get your podcast Apple podcast Google podcast wherever you get them you can find us on the line that's how you search for it and find us Zach Blackerby on the line with us now today on your Wednesday afternoon. Zach, appreciate you joining us on the show today. Man, always a pleasure to chat with you for a few minutes. What's going on? Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast here with us on the line. Zach, let's start talking about 
Auburn football and some of the recent hires that have came about you like one of these coaches in specific just in our talks that we've had off the air you you really like the Zach Etheridge move I'm sure you like all of these moves and you've been one of the guys who's been a major uh, a major proponent of, of a lot of the things that have happened in Auburn's coaching search but talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on Zach Etheridge I just like him as a dude I like him as a person and Harson has put such an emphasis on culture and I think a guy like Zach Etheridge really brings all that together. Just growing up here locally, you know, in youth groups and things like that. I've heard him talk and, you know, give his testimony. It's it's very clear that he holds a lot of things, you know, as far as his faith and, you know, being a Christian close to his heart. I think that's important. And then also, I mean, a lot of those things kind of overlap with, you know, the quote-unquote Auburn man thing. And so with Auburn having more outsiders, quote-unquote outsiders, you know, as part of their program than it ever has before, this is new territory for a lot of us. And I think the first question when Harson was brought in was, okay, who from the SEC are they going to get on for recruiting purposes? And then the second question is, okay, how Auburn, quote-unquote Auburn, is this, uh, is this staff going to be? Brought back Cadillac. That's great. And then everyone starts asking, okay, what about T-Will? What about Cody Burns? And so... Uh, the big thing now is like, okay, Zach Gethridge. That's a name that I think a lot of people have forgotten about, but he's kind of slowly worked his way up in the ranks, spent time. You know, he's a Ted Roof guy, so he spent time with them at, at Penn State and at Georgia Tech. And so been all over the place. And, you know, Ted Roof has a relationship with Derek Mason in Vanderbilt. So I kind of wonder if that recommendation was thrown up. And then, you know, he, he was most recently at Houston. So I think it's a good hire. I think it makes sense. Kind of funny. He played safety at Auburn. He's coaching corners now. Close, but different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Auburn Auburn has, uh, I don't know, I think there's some pressure there, right? We were talking at, at lunch earlier today, Noah, about how good Auburn's corners have been over the past few seasons. So can he keep that trend going? McCreary's coming back. That's a huge deal. And so, He's gonna have uh, he's gonna have his hands full, and you know he's got some uh, some awesome toys to work with guys like Roger McCreary, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, uh, Domeo. I kind of go back and forth on you know my opinions on him, but we'll have to see. I don't think we have enough tape on him yet to really make that decision. But he's got a lot of talented dudes, you know, for his first year as uh, Auburn's corners coach. More so, Travis Williams, but. Two Auburn coaches off of this previous staff, Travis Williams and Larry Porter. A lot of Auburn fans want to see those guys return. What do you think are the, is the likelihood on one of those guys or maybe both of those guys coming back to Auburn? I think uh, I think Larry Porter would have already been announced by now. And I think when you look at you know, tight ends coach has been filled, running backs coach has been filled, offensive line coach has been filled. So it's like I don't know, I don't know what that role is for Porter. Um, T will. I mean, there's talks. You know, maybe you scoot him in as outside linebackers coach, and then slap on the um, recruiting coordinator tag to his title. Harson seems to be big on titles, which I think is cool. You know, whose job is what, responsibility is what. So I think that's a big thing. If I had to guess between those two guys, it would be T will. Um, I'm not holding my breath for either at this point. I think it would have happened by now. Look, you know, a, a lot of people were holding out as far as. What Auburn was going to do a defensive line. Now, as more and more reports come out about you know who Auburn's defense, next defensive line coach is, I kind of feel like it's less likely for T. Will, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Moving forward for Auburn, we've seen twelve guys, at least twelve guys, leave the program via the transfer portal. If you're looking at it on twenty four seven Sports transfer portal, you could see that twelve guys have taken off. For the 2021 season, at different points in this 2020 year, 
But for the 2021 season, 12 guys have departed from the Auburn program via the transfer portal. And then there's another handful of guys that have opted to go to the NFL draft. Some, maybe not the best decision, at least from, from an outside looking in perspective from us. Yeah. Why do you think so many guys are leaving the program at this point? Because I think that's the question on a, on a lot of Auburn fans' lips. Well, one, I think that's the nature of college football. Guys transfer more than they used to. And then also, I think it's part of the nature of a coaching change. And Auburn is obviously going through both of those scenarios right now. So I think that's some of it. And, you know, we knew going into this season that Auburn had a lot of veteran guys that it was a very real chance that they were going to leave at the end of the season. Schwartz, Williams, Stove, just a list of three obvious receivers there. I think you kind of knew going into the season there was a good chance that none of those guys were going to come back. And some people wanted certain guys to come back, and you know Seth didn't have as good of a season as a lot of people thought, so they think he should come back. It's like, no, these guys have a chance to make some big money. So I think that's part of it. And then, I mean, just when it comes down to it, guys want to play. And I think when you look at situations like, I don't know, like Jordan Peters transferring or you know, Big Cat Bryant and uh, Daquan Newkirk, like, it kind of seems like there were guys behind them that were ready to take their jobs because – have they gotten that much better over the last two or three seasons, depending on which player we're talking about? It's like, not really. And so Harson's going to be excited to put his fingerprint on the program, and I, I, I think they just kind of felt, um, felt it may have been getting a little hot, and so they wanted to kind of get out on their own terms and have a chance to play next season. That's that's kind of what it is with, with a guy like Christian Tut, too. It's just like, was a Ladarian, was Ladarius Tennyson kind of making some ground on him? It's like, possibly. Um, I like his upside more anyway. I think there was less blown coverage. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and Nichols tough. And, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure Tut was built to play in the middle of the field. He seems like an outside corner to me. Um, but, yeah, that's where we are with this thing. So, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but that doesn't just happen at Auburn. I know we live in a bubble, and, you know, a lot of the folks on Auburn Twitter and message boards and things like that. They like to focus on Auburn because that's what they care about so much, and that's what you and I see every day talking about the team. But it happens everywhere. It's not just an Auburn thing. Sure. Auburn's had some guys come back. Roger McCreary's one of those guys. We'll, we'll zero in on this defensive backfield because I want to ask you about a player in, in, in specific. McCreary and Monday both back. We also saw some linebackers come back in Jacoby McLean. Owen Papo, of course, not draft eligible yet, so he'll be returning next year. And then Chandler Wooten is an addition that feels almost like a grad transfer. But looking specifically at this defensive backfield, there's one player who still hasn't said what he's doing next year, and that's Jamie and Sherwood. What are your thoughts on the strong safety at Auburn moving forward, whether he's an NFL guy, if you think it's if it's worth it for him to test the waters, or yeah. if maybe another year could do him some some service. I, I think another year could do him some service. But as far as natural ability, I mean, a lot of teams are going to like what this guy does, whether it's this offseason or the next offseason, you know, for the 2022 draft. But there's going to be conversations about what he is. You know, uh, there's some places that are already viewing him as a linebacker at the next level. You're going to hear similar conversations when Owen Papo goes to the draft after this upcoming season as far as he a linebacker or a safety. Look, these guys can do a whole lot of things. And, you know, I think when he's on the field, you know, in nickel sets, which is the new base in the NFL and college football as well, it's just you're able to do more things with the personnel that you have on the field and you've got a guy like Jamie and Sherwood on. You can step him up, play him close to the line of scrimmage. In fact, I think he plays better the closer to the line of scrimmage that he is just because that's the kind of guy that he is in <clears throat> run support. Yeah, run support and, and also just quick bursts. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily like um, 
You know, I'm I'm curious to see what his 40 time will be or something like that because he's he's a quicker than fast type of player. But a lot of Auburn's players, really with the exception of Roger McCreary, is like the closer they were to the line of scrimmage, the better they are. That's just the kind of players that Auburn had, aggressive, in-your-face type athletes. You're so, talking about quick. Maybe it's in his hips. I think a guy like Smoke Monday, you see, has a little bit of has a little bit of an issue with agility and moving around the field. Tight, yeah. Sherwood seems to move around pretty well despite his size. He's a larger safety out there compared to this day and age. You're right. Like. And, and, you know, just the – the ridiculous amount of smack talking he had. I mean, they'd be down by two touchdowns, and he's just, you know, in their ears talking and talking and talking. Some some NFL teams are going to say, no, thank you. I don't Is that want Sherwood that. or Monday or both? Sherwood, more so. Sure. I mean, you know, it, Auburn could be getting, you know, the ball moved on him up and down the field, and Sherwood just wants to talk smack. And so it, it rubs some Auburn fans the wrong way. I don't care. It doesn't really bother me. Part of me kind of likes it, depending on the circumstances. But NFL teams, there's going to be some clubs that don't like it. There's going to be some teams like, Ah, eh, we don't need that. That's not something that we want. So it's going to be fun to see how different teams view him whenever that process starts to happen for him. So looking at the guys that have decided to come back then, Chandler Wooten is a guy that I want to talk about now. And, yeah. and it feels like a grad transfer for Auburn. They, they missed him this past year. We could see a scheme shift at linebacker to having four linebackers in a 3-4 system. Auburn's been in a base nickel with only two. They only played two this year. Mm-hmm. Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean. Well, now they've got another guy that can really help him out in depth. It felt like going into the 2020 season that Wooten was the fourth player on the depth chart, which right. he was. How big is this for this linebacking core that they bring in a veteran presence, or is it not a big deal at all? I think it is. I think it is as far as, you know, you've got that third linebacker now. Um, How much are they going to play? Is Auburn going to play four linebackers? We'll have to see. Derek Mason did a whole lot of different things at Vanderbilt. And, you know, how quick, you know, as far as gelling back in the locker room is he going to be? I mean, he tweeted some pretty interesting stuff during some of Auburn's games about lack of leadership and – you know, things don't need to be this way and and all of that. And so what does that look like in the locker room? I don't know. It'll probably be fine, but I guarantee you Harson's gonna be like, Yeah, that's not that's not who we are. Like that's not who Auburn is gonna be anymore under Harson's leadership and regime and all of that. So that's something that's interesting to me. I don't really understand. I assume he was saying these things because he wasn't coming back. I was a little surprised when he announced that he was returning. Um, on the field, I, I think it's, it's great. You know how much how much rust is he going to have? You know, going into spring camp, you, you know, you didn't play football for a year. That's that's a big deal. Um, but it's not like he got hurt. You got to think he was working out still, and you know, making sure he was healthy and all of that good stuff. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, also, kind of makes you wonder. It's like, is the world that much different, like going into spring camp, than it was in August when you decided to opt out? Because like. He opted out for COVID concerns, and you know he had a baby on the way, and I, I think he's, I think his, uh, I think they've had the baby now. But it's just like, how different is the world? You know, it's like, can you rely on him to stay and play football this year? Because COVID's arguably like locally, it's worse now than it was then. So, um, is there a chance that he opts out? Like, why? Uh, what's the difference? So, um, a, a few things with Wooten to, to keep an eye on. But as far as his play on the field, I think it's great. Let's switch gears to some Auburn basketball. And before we get into Auburn's game against Georgia and how important it is, there was a big debut last Saturday against Alabama with Sharif Cooper, and that's what everybody wants to talk about. Something that sticks out to me is Auburn gets something nice, something new and shiny, and Auburn fans instantly begin to worry that it's going to disappear. 
And I understand why. Cam Newton steps on, right. phenom, NCAA investigation. Sure. You look at Austin Wiley, Daniel Purifoy, NCAA investigation. That's still affecting them to this day, Sharif Cooper, mm-hmm. NCAA inquiry. I wouldn't say investigation, but inquiry into his eligibility. Sharif Cooper, though, nonetheless looks special. What was your biggest takeaway from his first performance on the floor for Auburn? How much better everyone else looked. I mean, they. Uh, you look at JT Thor, I mean, he was kind of the big takeaway for me outside of Cooper. He was incredible. And then Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan. I mean, the team just looks more like a basketball team with them on there. And some of that just has to be, you know, okay, Auburn finally had like a true point guard on the floor. But, man, this guy's vision and just like, I don't know. He would go to make a pass, and I think he's just going to like barely touch it. And it's like it flies all the way across the court. and just I mean, the placement and the touch and then – um, his ability to drive and dish out or drive and go to the rim. I mean, he's he's a complete player. I guess the, the biggest issue and the thing that surprised me the most was how rusty he was shooting. But part of that is, you know, a reason for Auburn fans to be excited because he's not going to go one for seven from three every night. You got to think that's going to be better. So uh, against Georgia tonight, it's a big one. Neither team has won a conference game, right? And so going into it, it's like, Auburn is uh, is favored to lose, or Georgia's favored by one and a half points, I believe, when I looked at it this morning, and it's like... That's wild. I think I like Auburn in this that one. That feels like Vegas is baiting some people. Uh-huh. That that almost sounds too good to be true. Yeah. I don't know in what direction that sounds too good to be true, but that that's just obscure to me, that, that after watching what happened on Saturday with Auburn going toe-to-toe with a team that's in pole position in the SEC, that you've got them dogs by one and a half to mm-hmm. the dogs so yeah. uh, that that one's a little shocking for me yeah you're going on the road I guess that's part of it um at least you were at home against you know the SEC's top team in Alabama on Saturday but yeah I don't know you got a little bit more time to to gel with Cooper getting more and more comfortable and in game shape and, and he looked fine to me but Justin Powell was supposed to come back he's not he's going to be out tonight and so it's like maybe Maybe Vegas caught wind of that, and they think that he's you know worth a few points for the Tigers. I don't know. Cooper won for seven from three, as you pointed out. I think something important to look at, and you said this, that he won't go one for seven every night from here out. I think what's more important is that he shot the ball seven times from beyond the arc because what that tells me yeah. is that he's comfortable and confident shooting the shot. He may not be experienced shooting it at the collegiate level because the line's back a little bit, but I do think what we saw out of him most on Saturday was confidence. Yeah, and we've all seen his highlight tapes a million times. Like, that guy shot it well deep enough from high school. It's not like his toe was on the line when he was shooting threes in high school. So, <laughs> And we've seen the videos of him standing on the logo, swishing it like Jared Harper would do back when he was at yep. Auburn. I don't think that's really a concern for me. Sure. Um, I, I think he's got the confidence. And you can see the confidence grow in his teammates. And, like, some of his teammates were asked after the game, and they're like, Devin Cambridge is like stoked that he's finally getting to play with Cooper. And some he's got of these his other guys, buddy, are. right? He's got the guy who's going to be tossing him lobs. Uh, yeah, yeah, and man. Once again, like his touch on some of these passes are flawless. So, and it was his first. It was his first SEC action. And like one, it's great. It was against Alabama. That's fun for Auburn fans. But on the other side, it's like, okay, well, it's only going to get easier from here because the way the SEC looks right now, it's Alabama, and it's like. I know they got Kentucky on Saturday, but this isn't a typical Kentucky team. So they should be in situations for Cooper to be in positions to succeed moving forward. I'm thinking 
that the players are thinking like this as well, that the players see what happened against Alabama, and they're not taking it as, oh, we, we lost to Alabama. They're taking it as, hey, the, the, the sky is the ceiling for this team. Like, like this, there is no cap on this team of what, the, what these guys can do. Like, they're excited to continue to play with them. And this could be the beginning of, of a streak for Auburn basketball because of how pumped they are now to have this guy back and to see how well they played with him mm-hmm. and how locked in and focused they are to continue to improve out there on the floor. Zach, appreciate you joining us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. Also available, uh, or you can hear me every morning on Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI. That's at uh, 98.7 on your radio dial. Thank you, buddy. That is Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast. Appreciate it, my man. Wrapping up the first hour of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Let's go over what's on tonight. Coming up on your TV schedule this evening. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The Masked Singer wasn't enough. Now we apparently need The Masked Dancer. It's only the third episode of the season, so if it floats your boat, you still have time to catch up. New episode at 7 on Fox. We all had a Jeff Spicoli at our high school. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is on Showtime at 6.30. Wednesday college basketball, and we'll start at the 6 p.m. time slot. A Big Ten Network, Northwestern at number 21, Ohio State. In the Atlantic 10, Duquesne at Dayton on CBS Sports. Network, SEC play between Auburn and Georgia on SEC Network, and Arkansas at LSU on ESPN2. At 7.30, number 16, Louisville hits the road for Wake Forest on ACC Network. Also at 7.30, but on FS1, DePaul at Georgetown. In the 8 p.m. slot, number 15, Texas Tech at number 4, Texas on ESPN2, and Texas A&M at Mississippi State on SEC Network. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Good slate of... College basketball, good slate, especially Auburn taking on Georgia tonight. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on On the Line, wrapping up the first hour. We've got about a minute before we head out to hour number two. Auburn taking on Georgia tonight. We'll also come back in the second hour, talk about that game. We'll talk about TD Moultrie evolving into a linebacker at Auburn. I love every bit of it. I'm super pumped. I know he's a guy that's kind of faded out a little bit, but I'm pumped about his return. Tracy Rocker returning to the Plains for Auburn. What does that mean for Auburn? Kind of a mixed bag when you talk about Tracy Rocker returning to the Plains. Auburn basketball talk, Auburn football talk. we got a full hour coming up on the other side of, uh, of, of hour number one, going into hour number two. It's going to be exciting. we got a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack that we didn't get to in the first hour. So stick around, you know, hang out here on the line. you got call. Call us. Talk to us about it. We want to hear you in the next hour. We want to hear you, what you think about, you know, the TD Moultrie news. We want to hear what you think about the Tracy Rocker we had news. A, we had a good call from Shane earlier in the show, too. So, so if you've missed the show, or at least the first hour, that is, you can go back and find it on, uh, on wherever you get your podcast. And he wanted us to talk about Bo Nix's scrambling ability. What does this mean for him with the new, with new coaches coming in? You know what 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 things are going to be worked out of his game that maybe need to be worked out of his game, and then also how long will this Auburn fan base give these coaches uh, to be successful at Auburn before they get put on, on potentially the hot seat? Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Hour number two in just a few moments. On the line is still rolling along. 
Stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Start of hour number two on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. That's at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater to you on Twitter. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And once again, the phone number to call if you want to join the show. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Oh, two. We opened up the show talking about Tracy Rocker back on the plains as Auburn's defensive line coach. TD Moultrie is the topic that we have not gotten to discuss enough because I'm excited about this news more so than Tracy Rocker coming to the plains. Uh, of guys returning to Auburn, this is the one that I'm more excited about between these two players because I think TD Moultrie's transition from buck to linebacker is a big deal if indeed Auburn moves out of what they've been doing on defense, which is more of a 4-3 or a nickel, kind of uh, shifting in and out of that, to what I think over time will transition to a 3-4 defense. And there's talk that Moultrie is going to move to a, to a position where he's going to be in more of a run-stopping role at that second level. It And it goes back to what his more natural fit was. That's where he That's came out of high school at. A four-star recruit coming out of high school at that position. And you know transitioned through that under Kevin Steele it's going to be interesting, at least from my perspective, to see does this improve? Like, does this make him a little bit better? Because he hasn't done much since going into that buck position that you hit on earlier. I think it's a really good fit. You know, we need more linebackers in what is going to be this 3 4 scheme that Derek Mason is bringing in. I think with TD Moultrie, if he goes back to that position and starts to excel, shows a lot of growth. Man, that could be a really big addition for this Auburn defense. Well, obviously, something has excited him about it because he's returning to Auburn this is a free pass you could go wherever you want to do whatever you want and we've seen guys take advantage of that right especially on Auburn's roster with all of the guys 12 guys since the start of 2020 for the 2021 season have transferred out of Auburn's program only one guy has transferred in at the moment at a grand transfer position if I'm remembering that correctly you can go check that out on the 24-7 sports transfer portal tracker thing that they have online and it's got all that you can go and even select what team you can go and see Auburn there and go and see what's all exiting and that's that's where I got that information from I I think this is really good for him because he never looked like he fit in at Buck he never looked comfortable a lot of offsides calls some some might say that that is you know maybe it's just over you know open I'm trying to think of the right word here. Overexcited isn't the right word, but 
Maybe it's just anxious. It's a, little too, a little too eager. Just right, little eager, too, anxious. I even think anxious is a good word for it. Maybe to try and get a first jump to get into the backfield. As many times as getting called offsides for at that position, like that maybe speaks more to a little bit just being uncomfortable at that position as he is maybe maybe doing something else in the second level where he's trying to key in on certain gaps and try and run stop. The game doesn't necessarily simplify for him moving back to linebacker. It actually gets more complicated because now you're working him in having to cover now. He's, he's probably going to be asked at times to have to drop back into coverage. But if he can trim some pounds and get into a position like and get into a, a weight class there that fits at linebacker, get a little bit more mobile, I think he's going to be a very valuable depth piece at linebacker for Auburn, which is why I like this so much. It gives Auburn more weapons at a position where I felt like Auburn needed more weapons. He's experienced. There's a lot of experience at that position now coming back. A position group that I was worried about two days ago, going into this week on Sunday, after I saw more transfers, Daquan Newkirk and Big Cat Brian, I know they're not linebackers, but when they decided to transfer, I thought to myself, man, Auburn's not deep in a lot of places. This is going to be a lean year, and it still will be a lean year. But linebacker was originally a position where I was thinking that that might be an issue. I think we're turning in a direction at linebacker where it might be one of the more deeper position groups. Just seeing Chandler Wooten has decided to come back or return to the team, actually, and then T.D. Moultrie staying on campus as well. So there's the addition of two linebackers that weren't playing linebacker last year. And now they're on the depth chart there at linebacker in addition to all the players that Travis Williams has recruited. So you know there's talent there. Now I'm beginning to think, okay, there are four guys with experience playing on Auburn's first-team defense all out there now on that depth chart at a group where you're going to see more guys on the field often. You have a lot of veteran presence, and you know that's four key guys. And Auburn last year only really ran two. It was Owen Papo and Zacoby McClain for most of it. We You said that countless times on the show throughout its tenure so far and then you hit on it again you have guys coming in like Desmond Tisdale you have a guy like Cameron Riley coming in Steiner Steiner very very talented freshman coming in who could also he's already on the roster yeah he was there this past year yeah and you have a lot of good like young guys who have been recruited and brought in who are going to really just solidify this core this was a part that we kind of thought was going to be a weak point. You already hit on that a little bit. But now, I mean, it's looking like this could be one of the deeper positions. A defensive that, back as well. Yeah, that Auburn has a defense. Defensive back in this could be some deep positions. And it could be really – this could be a really good thing for Derek Mason bringing in, you know, a good combination of veteran presence and youth. And it could really make for a, a really good, solid defense this year. So I'm also going to go into this as well. And, and you don't have to have, just like on the defensive line, I mean, you'd like every guy on the defensive line to be great. So I, 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 rather I will make the analogy towards the defensive backfield. Every single one of your defensive backs, not all of them are going to be studs. No. Same at linebacker. Not every single one of your linebackers in a 3-4 defense is going to be a stud. Now the linebackers do have to make up for the weakness of only having three down linemen. Gap play changes a lot in the running game when you move to three linemen their responsibilities it gets heavier for them each one of them has to shoulder at least two gaps and then the linebackers also have to be involved in pass rushing and in run stopping so everybody's responsibilities changes in the front seven when you flip from the four three to the three four vastly different 
when it comes to run stopping and then other responsibilities in terms of pass rug as well. Just trying to get to the football, it looks different in the routes that you get there. But so so TD Moultrie doesn't have to be amazing for this to be a really good thing for Auburn. He's he's just got to play the game the right way. He's just got to uh, he's got one more year at Auburn. He's just got to play the game the right way. Get into the right weight class. Play the game the right way. Make sure you're getting into the right positions. Be more, you, you don't have to be an athletic freak. You don't have to be a tackling machine. Just cerebrally make sure you're at the right places at the right time. In every single sport, defense, more than half of defense is about being in the right position. Dare I say most of defense is just being in the right position to make a play. It, it's like that in football. It's like that in basketball. It's like that in baseball. It's like that in soccer. It's in, in every single sport. You know, 75% of defense is just being in the right position. It may even be more than that. And so for him, I think what's most important maybe isn't that he's the impact player of the linebacking core. That, that's not going to be the case. Jacoby McClain and Owen Papo fill that role. Chandler Wooten and T.D. Moultrie don't have to be the impact players of the defensive uh, of the front seven you know they just have to be smart consistent players that aren't liabilities on the defensive side of the ball and everything will work out just fine for this defense at linebacker just you said it play the game right be prepared and he doesn't have to be the impact player of the defense but he has all the potential in the world to be a good three, a good four in that linebacking core. I mean, he could come out and just completely ball out in his natural position. Again, he's going to have to trim back down to his natural playing weight somewhere he feels more comfortable. I'd say around like that 225, 230. I think he was listed around 253, 250 this year playing that buck position. He'll have, it's going to be a learning curve. It's going to be a learning curve. But I think that this is going to be really, really good for Auburn just on so many levels. You already hit it. The depth. The depth of it is great. You've got four guys who are going to be able to play in this 3-4 scheme. You have him playing his more natural position where he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. This just screams match made in heaven for T.D. Moultrie. And then a guy like Derek Mason, we've already said it. He gets a lot out of his linebackers. This could be really good for the kid and really good for Auburn's defense. Just, Just from a depth perception, it's so good. Just the perspective of depth is great. I mean, it's a lean year. It's good to have depth in some certain areas now. It's good to have experience. I'll take this a step further. Now we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of defense, the the nitty-gritty of football, the X's and O's, and schemes. And I love this about football. I love reading books about it. I have coaching manuals at home. I'm not a coach. This, I just like learning about this it. This is where you excel. This is well, this is in, this is where you get into Noah's brain and what he just absolutely I, loves. I, in no way am I ever going to claim that I that I know more than than anybody about football or or anything about or more than coaches. I, I just like to learn about the stuff and and I like to talk to people who know more about football than I do. I really do. It, it is so much fun for me to talk about X's and O's with somebody who knows more than me because I genuinely want to learn. I really do. I love talking to coaches about stuff, asking them questions. It's more fun for me to read and ask questions from somebody who knows more about this stuff than, than even for me to talk about it. A defensive look that you don't hardly see ever anymore is the 4-4. And I wonder if that's something that maybe Auburn will dabble in. I really do. I, I don't know if Auburn has the personnel right away. I know that Auburn's got the personnel to put four down linemen, 
But I wonder if Auburn's got the personnel to maybe go into a 4-4 look if they really want to sell out for a run play. I'm not saying go in. I'm not saying make that your base defense like we saw Ohio State do at times <laughs> in the national championship. That's hilarious because that's not the way that you want to attack this Alabama football team. They sold out for the run and, and, and didn't sell out for Devontae Smith, even though Alabama passes the ball majority of the time. But the 4-4 is good. at. It's hard to run the ball when eight guys are in the tackle box, and that's what the 4-4 does. It puts, it puts eight guys in between the hashes. In the NFL, at least, it puts eight guys in between the hashes. In, in college football, obviously, the hashes are further out. But, but when you're talking about tackle to tackle, there are, four, there are four guys at each level. There's eight players in there. It, it is great at filling every single gap possible on the field at stopping the run. And it also can add a pass rushing element. Of course, it puts DBs on an island. You only got three at that point. It puts DBs on an island. It, it puts a, a, more of a, a struggle on that. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that Auburn would go to, but I, I'm wondering with TD Moultrie moving back and Auburn having, you know, already the personnel with four down linemen. Now they're beginning to accumulate more linebackers than Auburn had going into this season two days ago, right? So I don't know if they've. I don't know if they still have enough linebackers, and I don't know if this is something that they'll go into. I'm just saying, interesting to maybe think. Eh, maybe this is something that Auburn will pull out, but. Looking at this from a thousand feet above, and 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 looking at this from from way outside, even if Auburn doesn't go to something like a a four four, what Derek Mason's going to do with all this versatility on the roster that he's accumulating on, on defense, even rapidly now with guys returning, that's why it's so important that McCreary, McLean, Wooten, Moultrie, Monday, all of those guys came back. Even if New Kirk and Big Cat Bryant left, the defense in large part other than Tut as well, uh, other than those three guys, the defense in large part is staying together from what we saw this past year, at least at, at the surface level with the starting group. There's a lot of versatility there. And looking at this from 1,000 feet above, maybe it's not the 4-4. Maybe Auburn, maybe Auburn switches into some different fronts. You know, maybe Auburn, you know, I, I, don't, think you'll, I don't think you'll see the, the Bear defense anymore with 4-6, but there, there's just Auburn's going to show teams different looks all over the place with different fronts, whether it be nickel, whether it, whether it be 3-4, whether it be 4-3, they're, they're going to switch in and out of all of these different fronts. And so I use the 4-4 as an example of, well, Auburn's got all of these different personnel. They can now move around and go into different things and really confuse offenses. That's what's exciting. I don't think Auburn's been doing anything to try and confuse offenses. I think they've been dropping back in a lot of zone coverage. I think that they've been in, in the nickel primarily. I think they've said that what, what you see is what you got, and I don't think they've adjusted a whole much. I think the most drastic thing that we've seen – Auburn do under Kevin Steele was moved to the 3-1-6 defense to guard Ole Miss and LSU that was it and those weren't even uh, Ole Miss more so this year in the Mississippi State as well this year but LSU two years ago in 2019 that was what we saw Auburn do outside of that Auburn's been exclusively in the nickel they don't do anything else and so I, I think what's exciting for me on defense from from just an X's and O standpoint and just loving football is that I think Auburn's going to really try and confuse some teams on offense especially when they go against those teams that are going to be running the ball a lot with maybe a weakness at quarterback. You could see them really implement that strategy for a team like that. On the line, second break of the second hour coming up here. We've got the second segment on the way. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Hey, 
18 minutes through the second hour of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater on Twitter. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Wrapped up conversation there about Tracy Rocker, T.D. Moultrie, two big additions today in the news dump of the day. <laughs> it seems like every day there's something new coming, and that's fun. But, you know, in a couple of weeks, Sports Talk's going to have to figure out something new, right? I will be full-fledged in the offseason without weekly or daily uh, without weekly or daily news editions. We've been pretty fortunate. It seems every day we come in, there's something, something new. Hap- new. Something new is happening with the Auburn football team and their coaching hire. So we've been fortunate with that. But we want to hear what you guys have to say, too. Call in, see what you... What do you guys think about T.D. Moultrie? What do you guys think about Tracy Rocker or anything around the Auburn football or basketball program? Phone number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Following us on the show today, we'll also have The Drive with Bill Cameron, both on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. So that'll be fun to look forward to. They'll take your calls as well all day long, uh, or all show long, that is, from 4 to 6 p.m., Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will be there for you after us. Let's get into Auburn basketball. We haven't talked about this enough today. Continuing to dissect Sharif Cooper's play. How do you expect his encore to go tonight against the Georgia Bulldogs? I think it'll be good. I think it will be just good. Come on, give us something (sighs) spicier than that, man. Lean into it. You know, get get pumped. I'm. Mm, he came out. He came out and looked outstanding in his first game. So, so you don't think he follows it up? It's going to be hard on the road. It's going to be hard. I think uh, you get better sight lines when you're at home. So, again, I think he'll play out better. I'm more interested in this from the outside of the Sharif Cooper perspective. My my biggest takeaway from this game is just looking at how Auburn was an underdog going into this game, even as early as this morning. Zach Blackerby was talking about it earlier with us, and now. Auburn is the favorite to win this game. I don't know what happened. I mean, there's there's a lot of action going in on Auburn and the Tigers right now. I mean, you've got a lot of sharp action, big money. There's probably about 32% of people betting on Auburn, but about 80% of the money is going on to Auburn, which means people are placing big bets out in Las Vegas on the Tigers. Well, line's back down to one and a half now since we last checked like 30 minutes ago. It was it's, two points. It was a bucket like before the show. Right before the show, it was a bucket for Auburn, and now it's – one and a half. This thing's split, and I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I think Auburn blows Georgia out tonight. Put it on the record right here. Auburn blows Georgia out on their home floor. They go into Athens, and they put a stamp on them just like Georgia football did to Auburn. I got to take the sweater it is off. Going to, it is going to be a blowout tonight, Ooh. and here's my reasoning for it. If you're Sharif Cooper, how are you not excited about playing tonight he is he's got to be he's got to be fired up to know that he didn't play as well as he could have that's right he didn't play as well as he could have in that game against Alabama he was one for seven for three eight for 19 nine for 19 or something like that from the floor he could be more efficient than what he was it took him 10 minutes to get settled in it took him 10 minutes to get settled in with his teammates and now all they've had to think about since Saturday, all this team has had to think about is just wait till we put it all together. Just wait till we get back out there. If that's what we looked like the first time together, just wait till we get Justin Powell back. And Justin Powell not playing tonight, but just wait. 
till this team puts it together. And I think they take a huge first step tonight putting it together against Georgia. Blowout, mark it tonight, at least double-digit win for Auburn this evening in Athens, Georgia. Both of these teams are winless. Look at Georgia's defense right now. You look at the stats. They gave up 99 points to Arkansas. They lost 99-69. to 30-point loss last time out. Where's the conviction on the defensive side of the ball? 94-92 to 92 overtime loss to LSU. That one's not a bad loss. They took a, they took a good LSU team to OT. Lost 83-73 to, 70, uh, to, to Mississippi State. Their last three games against SEC competition, they have given up egregious amounts of points. This Georgia team, when you looked at their record going into SEC play, they were undefeated. Overrated. They didn't play anybody in non-conference play. Best team they played was Cincinnati. Cincinnati's down this year. Cincinnati's way down this year. Losing record right now, I actually think. Cincinnati's typically, you know, a borderline tournament team. Tougher team in the American Athletic Conference. This Georgia team scored the ball well in non-con play. And two of their three SEC games, they've scored 73 or less. Blowout, put it right there. Put it on the books right there. I'm, I'm calling Auburn to win big tonight because they have to be absolutely just jacked, amped up as I am right now. I, I'm pumped, and I know Auburn fans are pumped just to see them play again. Like I'm ready to go. It was, I mean, and those it, guys have to be even uh, even higher up than I am right now because they're getting to play again. Of course, and we saw Auburn not at full strength on Saturday, but the closest we've seen them to full strength. Again, I I agree with you that I think Auburn goes in there and wins. I think they win handily, maybe not like a blowout, but I feel like they're going to be controlled this game for most of the way. I just don't know what Sharif Cooper is going to do for his encore performance of his you know his first game ever where he lit it up SEC freshman of the week I mean one of the best performances I've seen by a player this season especially the best Auburn performance I've seen all year so everything points to Auburn winning this game again you know me I like to watch the lines and that's kind of how I like to make my picks I see a lot of action going in on Georgia but I see a lot of money going in on Auburn, enough to flip that line from them being a favorite to an underdog. I see a really bad team against the spread in Auburn, against a team that has been pretty good against the spread in Georgia. Vegas doesn't like people to see things as black and white and see this team is good against the spread, this team is bad. They'll set a line pretty favorably. So I think Auburn comes in, I think they're a more talented team, and I think Georgia's been a bit of pretenders, like you said, not really good non-con play. So Auburn... Had a really tough non-conference, played a lot of good teams, got thumped by Gonzaga, lost to UCF. Those games make you better down the stretch. When you go play on the road in, you know, in Athens, those games that you played that were tough, they're, they're good for you. Well, I think Auburn's hungry too. Of I think course. Auburn's really hungry, and I'm not going to go as far as to say and just jump off the page right now and just go too far and say that Auburn's going to beat Kentucky this Saturday, but it's at home, and if they win big against Georgia tonight – I will call it tomorrow. I'll go ahead and I'll say it right. I'll say it tomorrow. Auburn blows out Georgia tonight. I'll say it tomorrow. Auburn will beat Kentucky on Saturday as well because they will build this streak. This team is excited about playing tonight. I'm sure they've got to be. And they are hungry. They're 0-4, man. They're 0-4. And that only stews so long. You ever seen a Christmas story? You ever seen the movie A Christmas Story? Yep. Ralphie goes and takes it to the bully. Scott Fargus. He beats the stew out of him out there. Why? Because it built up. The Sauber team is building up to a, bo- to a boiling point. It, it, it is coming to that point. 
And this team's ready to explode. And we saw them explode offensively against Alabama, a good defensive team. Now they're playing a Georgia team that is slanted more offensively than they are defensively. Very up-tempo. Right now, looking at KimPom.com, you know how much I love the nerd stats. You go look at the adjusted tempo on KimPom.com for Georgia, 11th fastest team in the country. Auburn a little bit slower than that, but they're still on the more up-tempo side when you're looking at their possessions, which has been increasing over time over the last couple of games. Part of that has to do with the fact that they've played really up-tempo teams. They've played Arkansas. They, they, they've played... Um, why am, why am I drawing a blank? They, they just played Alabama, who's also another up-tempo team. They played two of the most up-tempo teams in all of basketball, and now they're about to play Georgia as well. So possessions keep creeping up for Auburn as well. They tend to match tempo from, from other teams, a little bit more balanced, get in and out of half court and whatnot. They like to run if they can force turnovers. Georgia more offensively slanted, of course. We've seen how much they've given up the last three games. Already went over that. Auburn more offensively slanted as well, I think can take advantage of that. The big thing that I'm looking at for Auburn tonight of what may keep this close is they're playing a team that's fast. They didn't get back on defense against Alabama. They're, that, that, that was a gut, that, that's gut check time. It's gut check time on defense. You've got to get back if you're Auburn going against Georgia in this ballgame, if you want to go out there and really control this game. If Auburn gets back on defense, this Georgia team's, this Georgia team's nothing special on, off, on offense. They're 100th in, in adjusted efficiency on, on offense in the country, according to KimPom.com. I mean, th- this group, this Georgia team is nothing special. They're nothing special. They walk through an easy non-conference. If you force them into bad shots and you get back on defense, you guard your rim with some conviction. Dylan Cardwell, you you, you look at JT Thor, the way they were shot blocking the other day. If these guys get back on defense, Auburn will run this one out of their own gym. It won't be close. And then you go into Saturday against Kentucky in Rupp Arena, or not in Rupp Arena, excuse me, in Auburn Arena, and you're now on your home floor and you're comfortable shooting the basketball with your own backdrop and, as you put it, your own sidelines, Kentucky will be reeling again. A lot of these Auburn players think they should have won that game Saturday. And the Auburn coach staff, I mean, they should have. And, again, it comes down to not getting back on defense and making a few costly mistakes, a little bit more than Alabama did, and it cost them in that game. Georgia's not Alabama, not not even close. The Alabama's the best team in the SEC right now, playing the best basketball we've seen in the conference this year. If Auburn plays like they did Saturday, if Sharif Cooper comes out, plays well again, makes the team better, it will be an Auburn blowout, like you said. And again, I told you at the beginning of the show, I was iffy if Sharif Cooper could come out and put on a performance like he did Saturday. My basketball picks have been atrocious this year, so take what I say with a grain of salt. If I'm out here saying I don't know if Sharif Cooper... the other side, sure. Yeah, if I come out and say I don't know if Sharif Cooper can duplicate that performance, he's probably going to go for a double-double, triple-double tonight against Georgia just because I've been on such a cold streak with basketball predictions. So, Well, the, when this team gets amped, that they're fun to watch. When this team gets excited and they're exciting. locked in, they're, they're fun. They run the floor. They score. They lob. They they shoot the ball really well. When they get into it and they get in a rhythm, this team has the the propensity, like that Final Four team, to be able to, to shoot their way into a run and shoot another team out of the ball game. And so tonight... I think they're going into an amped, and I think they take it to the Bulldogs. That's my official prediction, and I know you're picking Auburn too. Just not as not as big as a win, but I think Auburn's, Auburn's starting a streak tonight. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Market, Auburn, 
big win tonight against Georgia. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on On the Line. Find the podcast if you missed any of what we've talked about today. You can go and find it wherever you get your podcast. We want to hear from you. What, what, what do you think is going to happen tonight at the basketball game? Sharif Cooper's encore performance. What do you think is going on or anything that's on your mind? Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Continuing to talk about this Auburn-Georgia game tonight. Of course, we talked about what we're excited about, but a, pin- a potential pitfall for Auburn in this game I think it is the cliche of the season, turnovers. Georgia on defense and what they like to do as far as tempo, turning up the heat a little bit, they force a lot of steals, 8.7 per game. And, of course, we know that Auburn has a turnover problem. It's been bad, but it will be better. The turnovers get better when Sheree Cooper's on the floor. You have a true point guard out there. You don't have Alan Flanagan handling the point guard duties or you know Justin Powell, who are not true point guards. So that will be good. It will be a little bit better for Auburn. They have someone who's actually going to be commanding the field. But, again, Georgia turns the ball over a lot. That's going to be the big, big growing moment for Auburn. Obviously, if they go in, they win, they get the first SEC win of the season. That's going to be huge. But what's, this will be a real turning point for the team from a statistical standpoint. Can they go against a team who has been turning opponents over a lot and really play play very cautious in terms of protecting the basketball. Can they go in there, protect the basketball on the road in Athens? That would be a real stepping point moving forward for this Auburn basketball team, especially going into Saturday's matchup with Kentucky. Yeah, I was talking about Auburn building up a streak here, beginning that that, that, that was part of what was last segment, and then also me saying that I, I think Auburn's going to blow out Georgia tonight. And Auburn here, when, when the adrenaline rush of having Sharif Cooper wears off, when all the excitement of having this guy back and of this team having fun playing together, and, and when you get back into just when, when, when the when the tide rises to meet that, when it, when all of it just kind of levels back out, and, and the energy's still there. Not saying that the energy will ever drop off, but but when it gets back to just at, at the end of the day, each game it's still basketball, it's still five on five, and eventually the energy, like the just the general freshness and the excitement of having Sharif Cooper. I imagine, and after the streak gets going, if Auburn indeed does start it against Georgia. Eventually, it'll wear off, and then I want to see where this team's at. That that's where we will examine if there is true growth for this Auburn team. I, I think that, that that there's going to be an initial shock and awe starting tonight with this Auburn basketball team because I think we even saw it to a degree against Alabama. I think tonight it really breaks through. I think they'll pull a win off against Kentucky at some point. They're going to face adversity again, and, and, and after all that energy just kind of levels out a little bit, what what is this team? And only time will tell. There, there, there's no way to know that at the moment because we don't have enough on Sharif Cooper. We don't have enough seeing him. But, but what this Auburn team will have to do is not just is not get caught up in the moment at the moment right now. Right? It can't get caught up in the moment at the moment. <laughs> you know, Auburn cannot get caught up and just in all of the lights and all of the energy and all of the excitement. They still have to develop. They, they can't play purely off emotion, I think is what I'm trying to say here. That, that's, the, that's the phrase that, that I was trying to get to come to mind. Auburn can't play purely off emotion for the rest of the season because then I think you're sacrificing a little bit of your development. At times, there's gonna be, you're, you're going to go out there on that floor next year and beyond in these guys' careers where things aren't going great. Maybe energy is a little bit flat. Maybe things aren't going the way you want it to on the floor. But experienced players play through it. Experienced players are able to overcome the the tough times the, the times where where energy gets low and they fight through it that that that's where development doesn't fail you 
There's a reason why Damian Lillard is, is borderline a stoic in the NBA. Doesn't get too high with the wins, doesn't get too high with, with the lows. He's expressionless on a basketball floor when he does something great. I mean, the most that we've ever seen him was when he walked off the floor and waved at, at Russell Westbrook, right? Like, he's, he, he is, he's very stone-cold, even killed. That's because it's a long season when you're talking about basketball, and different things are going to get ha- are going to happen. You can't get too high, you can't get too low. I'm okay with this team getting really high right now, moving forward to try and start a streak and try and break through because they really need to break through. But part of what's going to be on Bruce Pearl's plate moving forward is still ensuring that these guys stay grounded and stay focused at the task at hand, which is still development because that's the season. It's a development season for Auburn with no postseason. And I'll I'll quote a old, an old basketball coach of mine. He always used to say. Basketball is a game that's always going to have really high highs and really low lows, but you don't want to get caught up in one of those and just keep trying to ride that out. Like you said, when they face adversity, when they get down low, when you're playing off of pure emotion, you can just, it's hard to really flip that energy and get back to the positive. Yes, use that emotion, use it to get something started, but don't sacrifice your development. I said it earlier with a team that turns the ball over or turns their opponents over a lot. And Auburn is a team that turns the ball over a lot. So this, yes, you could go in there and play off emotion, play crazy, play exciting basketball, and come away with a win. But I'm looking for... But when that doesn't work, the turnovers lose you the ball game. Exactly. Go in and this is is such a good challenge. Like This is the perfect opponent for Auburn to be playing right now. At least to start a streak, I I would agree so. I think Georgia and Vanderbilt are the two worst teams in our league. And it's a t- yeah, it's one of the worst teams in our league that Auburn could go in, handle, play well, and could use this game to see where are we at in our development. What's our weak points been? We've turned the ball over a lot. We're not getting back on defense. Okay, let's see it tonight. See it tonight. Go get a win. Play with energy. But remember, try to fix these things. Again, I mean, you saw it with Alabama. That's I, what I, lost them the game. I think Missouri's a great example. Top. 17 team right now they're 17th in the country they beat ranked oregon they beat wichita state they they beat illinois when illinois was sixth in the country they had some big wins in non-conference play they get into sec play right now they're one and two they just lost by 15 to mississippi state and mississippi state's not one of the top teams in this league they're they're a middle of the pack team and so i think that's a good example what are you when the streak dies down when, when that initial high falls what are you and I think the the main stat that people need to watch for this Auburn team is yes they can offset the turnovers right now with energy excitement with fast play with knocking down shots you can overcome that but are they still turning the ball over because if they're still turning the ball over when all this energy dies eventually the shots won't fall And, and and that makes me want to take it to this next point before we go to break here I want to talk about Alabama last night rot Kentucky's world I went into that game yesterday saying nobody's afraid of Kentucky anymore. Alabama's going to go out there. And they went into Rupp Arena, and they were not afraid of Kentucky. And they dribbled the ball all around their gym. I mean, it d- disgraced Rupp Arena by 20 points there. 85-65 win at the Wildcats. Most teams don't go into that place and win by 20. And Alabama did it with ease. Is this Alabama team going to win the SEC? Like, when it's all said and done, when this regular season's over with, is this Alabama basketball team going to be the best team in our league? I don't think so, but I I keep counting them out, and they keep proving me wrong. But it goes back to what we said. They're hot right now. They're playing the best basketball in the SEC. Let's see what happens down the stretch. It's a full basketball season. At this time, you know, a few years ago, people were not going to pick Auburn to win the SEC. They get hot at the right time and carry on. 
I mean, that, and that's, that's what basketball is, especially at the collegiate level. You have so many teams that get hot, and it's a, a game, basketball itself is a game of runs. A basketball season, it extrapolates that. It's a game of runs. That's just what, that's what basketball is. And, again, I don't want to say anything negative about the Alabama team. I hate that I just said that they're not going to win the SEC because I feel like every time I say something about them, they just go out there, they prove me wrong, they made me eat crow in the morning, and I'm tired of betting against them. So I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Alabama. They're they're the greatest team ever, greatest basketball team I've ever don't seen. Don't say that. I'm tired. I'm tired of them proving me wrong every night. I'm about to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're back. That's greatest basketball team ever. Get out of here. We'll talk about their football team that way, but we won't talk about their basketball team. I'm just tired of them proving me wrong. What, what, what I'm saying here about them defensively, I wonder if the trend will continue. They've held Ole Miss to 64, Tennessee to 63. They had to Tennessee their first loss of the year. Florida to 71. Auburn, they gave up a lot, 90, and then but that was in Auburn's place. And then at Kentucky, they held them to 65. Not the greatest teams in the SEC in terms of offense right there, other than maybe Tennessee. Auburn's got the propensity to heat up, especially in their own floor. At times when Alabama's lost, though, it's when the shots haven't fallen. And we talked to Jeremy Law yesterday on Radio Alabama Sports. Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast to be able to hear that conversation. And when Alabama's lost, it's when they stop hitting shots, when they're not knocking down those threes. And right now they're not doing a whole lot of that. The three-point shooting isn't quite to the efficiency that they'd like them at. Of course, they did that against Kentucky, but... Will that continue with with efficiency? Will the offense continue to score with efficiency? That's the grand question when you're talking about Alabama. And I think I'm going to value Tennessee this year. And that's really the conversation. It's between Alabama and Tennessee. I don't feel like anybody else is as good as those two teams in our league. Because it's been shown. I don't think it'll end that way. I think that's how it will end. It'll be Tennessee 1, Alabama 2 at the end of the year. I I feel like Alabama's that good, 100%. I don't think Alabama's going to lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. They might lose one like everybody does, but I don't, I don't think this Alabama team's going to fall apart or anything. This Tennessee team, what I like about them most is their defense. Tennessee is staunch on that end of the floor. According to KimPom.com, second in the country in defensive efficiency, second best in the country at defending their own basket. That's, that's going to carry you through the, the highs and the lows. Defensive teams are the types of teams – now, not necessarily the teams that are horrible offensively, but but teams that can play great defense and still be solid on offense. The teams with great defense, when their offense begins to falter, if they're having an off night, if you're on the road, those are the teams that, that carry through the tough times. And Tennessee's not going through tough times right now. I mean, they're, they're still right up there. They're one loss. They're only lost to Alabama. They're still going to destroy a lot of the teams that they play in this league. Tennessee is going to be right there, even killed, steady all the way to the end. I think Rick Barnes is a better coach than Nate Oates. I think the way they've recruited, they've got more star power than Alabama. I think that they're running the long race. Time will tell if Alabama is sprinting or if they're or if they're going for endurance at the moment. If Alabama is going to run out of gas or if they're going to make it to the finish line, I'm going to opt on the side that they will not keep the pace that they're at. I'm not going to say that they're going to run out of gas because I think they finished second in the SEC, but I think they, over time, some of this energy of this streak lets out. Maybe they lose a game here and there on an off night of shooting. Maybe defense isn't quite checked in, a focus issue. And I think over time, you see Tennessee take them, overtake them. And I mean, they're only one loss. They're right behind them. They're a game back. It's only a matter of time because Tennessee, with that defense, is going to be able to carry them through the tough games. I mean, it's only lost to, to Alabama by eight, so there, there, there's there's not a big difference there between the two. It's just Tennessee didn't make it didn't make it offensively happen. 
I mean, I, I tend to want to agree with you. I think Alabama. But you don't want to rule Alabama out. I get it. They, every, <laughs> you don't want that to hurt every you. Every time I do it, it it just seems to bite you. It's bit it's bitten you the past two days. I get it. You, you picked Ohio State to win the national championship by ten. You picked Kentucky to win yesterday. It, it's came to bite you. That's okay. I, I picked Duke yesterday. That that came back to bite me. But you know, uh, you know, only time will tell hey, about we Alabama. Both pissed, we both picked Wisconsin. I think we both know how that one went. <laughs> On the other side of this break, we wrap up On the Line. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Find us on Twitter, at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. The drive will be coming up after us here on Fox Sports Central Alabama and ESPN 106.7. That'll be in 12 minutes, about 12 minutes. The drive with Bill Cameron. Dan Peck will be there, and uh, th- those those two will take your calls and continue to talk about the latest in Auburn athletics and beyond. So stay with us here. Four hours of local sports talk radio every day, or weekdays, that is. And then also there's the Encore edition of On the Line as well from 8 to 9 on ESPN 106.7 and then from 10 to 11 on Fox Sports Central Alabama. That show taking place on Saturdays in the morning. So you can, you can catch the Encore edition. It's the best of show for On the Line. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports on the line. The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. Let's go over what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The Masked Singer wasn't enough. Now, we apparently need The Masked Dancer. It's only the third episode of the season, so if it floats your boat, you still have time to catch up. New episode at 7 on Fox. We all had a Jeff Spicoli at our high school. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is on Showtime at 6.30. Wednesday, college basketball, and we'll start at the 6 p.m. time slot. A Big Ten Network, Northwestern at number 21, Ohio State. And the Atlantic 10, Duquesne at Dayton on CBS Sports. Network, SEC play between Auburn and Georgia on SEC Network, and Arkansas at LSU on ESPN2. At 7.30, number 16, Louisville hits the road for Wake Forest on ACC Network. Also at 7.30, but on FS1, DePaul at Georgetown. In the 8 p.m. slot, number 15, Texas Tech at number 4, Texas on ESPN2, and Texas A&M at Mississippi State on SEC Network. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Did you tell me they revealed Bill Nye on The Masked Dancer? Oh, yeah. For some reason, I can't see Bill Nye dancing. Hey, I mean. Then again, I guess he did all the time growing up watching those shows when you're in science class. That used to get so hype in science when you knew your teacher turned the lights off and she's breaking out the Bill Nye. She's breaking out the Bill Nye video. It was, right? always, it was always a good time whenever you saw Bill Nye coming Bill, on when you were in Bill, the class. Bill, Man, it Bill, was Bill, Bill Nye, the science guy. It was yep. just a good, it was a good thing. I mean, again, Mass Dancer tonight. Come on, if you want to watch it, it's a great show. You got Cotton Candy, Moth, The Sloth, all performing tonight. I mean, come on, Zebra. I mean, all these great dancers. Who are they? You know Nobody a little bit knows. too much about this. Nobody knows. Who are they? You you know a little bit too much about that show. That that's pretty good. I'll start me a mass dancer podcast here soon. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll do that. Let's see how that goes. Let's see how far that goes. Right. Shane called into the show earlier in the first hour, and and I loved both of the questions he asked. We're going to zero in on one of his questions here before we get out of here. We got about five minutes left in the show until the drive with Bill Cameron follows us. He asked about Bo Nix, and then also about this coaching staff and, and how long. 
fans should give the coaching staff and then also what 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 tendencies and, and things like scrambling can be coached out of Bo Nix to possibly make him better one quality about Bo Nix that I think frustrates a lot of people that I don't think is that big of a deal is his recklessness I'm okay with it I I see a guy who wants to make a play when I see recklessness in Bo Nix I see Baker Mayfield I see Sam Darnold I see a guy who if he on the other end of things establishes consistency can get his passing game going a little bit more can, can work out some of his mechanics mechanics issues can be fixed recklessness like play style a guy who likes to leave the pocket fast a guy who likes to get out there and try and make plays with his legs likes to try and extend a play and try and make throws on the run that excites me that that I see the the ability for him to become a legend right and of course he's got the legacy now now it needs to to turn now it needs to really turn into a, a growth and development because I I don't think we've seen that yet. I don't think we've really seen true progression, and that's that's crazy. I think that's a major indictment on Gus Malzahn's quarterback progression, and people are split on that one. And I know a lot of people like to bring up him developing quarterbacks. I think Bo Nix is the biggest stain on that record to have not seen any, any, maybe even regression, I, I think you could say, for Bo Nix while he was at quarterback at Auburn over two years. You see the biggest jump from a first full year to the second full year you didn't see a jump this year maybe spring had something to do with that I don't know but I think that's a big indictment on Gus Malzahn's quarterback coaching resume and then if he ever decides to get back into coaching again after this what what that's going to look like for him moving forward it's it's a stain it is and again a lot of it it's a you know weird year lack of a lot of off-season that practice probably looked dramatically different as well of course a lot of things were different this time of year but I think the thing that Auburn fans really want to be at least changed and coached out of Bo Nix it's not leaving the pocket in general it's leaving the pocket at the second the ball has gotten to you and again most of that comes from the fact that the lineman was not the line was not blocking for him most of the time and then you start to see ghosts you start thinking this is going to happen every play and even when it wasn't happening, you saw him escape. Again, if you can coach that part out of him, teach him to stay in the pocket on plays where you're designed to be in the pocket. His pocket presence could use a lot of work. Yes, if you could get that pocket presence worked out. And again, I think if you could couple that development with a moving pocket, we hit on that earlier in the show, a nice boot out, some you know naked bootlegs, maybe just some slides, just a nice moving pocket. You saw Brian Flores do that with Tua Tagovailoa. Stefanski in the NFL. and Baker Mayfield. Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. And it, get, it gets the most out of guys like that. It gets the most out of a guy who wants to be on the move. And who, I think he can throw the ball on the move too. I think he's got the ability to complete some passes while he's outside of the traditional pocket. Yeah, he's got all the talent in the world to I do I think he's got like all that. the tools. Yeah, he's just getting it developed it's really just taking Mm -hmm. the next step and it's progression and you want to see him when he's in the pocket it's funny that we say we wanted to progress we wanted to progress in terms of his reads go through your progressions and you know look at your one two three that one I don't think is his fault well that was never an option that was never a thing in a Malzahn offense to begin with yeah Malzahn's notorious for having and all of his coordinators have been notorious for having horrible pass concepts not diverse route trees and just generally it was a one read offense for a quarterback if it's not there you're supposed to move but the, the thing is they never got taught how to read a defense that was, that was never something that occurred at Auburn and now look at Jared Stidham in the, in the NFL can't read the defense now 
and, and, and he's not getting on the field. When you talk about Jared Stidham, all our fans are like, why isn't he playing? It's like, well, he's not playing because Bill Belichick doesn't think he's good enough. And if Bill Belichick doesn't think you're good enough, sorry, you're not good enough. Plain and simple. You're not good enough. And he's and I, I saw those concerns with him coming out of college. I thought he was a big disappointment. That's another one who, who's a big stain on, on Gus Malzahn's track record with quarterbacks. They just – Jeremy Johnson couldn't do it. Sean White, I think uh, – well, I'm not going to go that far. Sean White was fine, and, and I, I don't think he was – I think when you look at Auburn quarterbacks in terms of passing ability that we've seen recently with Malzahn, it's Marshall somehow was the best, but they had the deep playability and they had to worry about some – they had to worry about his rushing stidham was also very good at throwing the football in his junior year then i would probably go sean white then i would go bo nix and i'm gonna leave it on that hot take i think sean white was a better passer from what we saw than what bo nix has been through his first two years a lot of room to develop there but i think bo nix will eventually get there he's got he's got the skills the drive following us here on espn 1067 at fox sports central alabama don't go anywhere we'll see you tomorrow you know where to find us